0: said in there shall be signs of the sun and in the moon and in the stars
1: and upon the earth distress of nations i think she's a liar and i think she deserves mockery
2: it was something about when i put this hat on it made me feel like superman black lives are very important white lives are very important and to me all lives are very important very very important this is profane faith a podcast that engages faith on the margins Faith That has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? It is season three up in here. Welcome back. This is your boy, Dan White Hodge, up in here, Profane Faith, man. Can y'all believe it is season three? I am just kind of beside myself to think that this show is now entering season three. I mean, really, it's the first full year. I've broken the year up into, you know, three parts. But um, it's just a trip, man. I just want to thank all the faithful supporters that have emailed me, text messaged me, sent me direct messages. Um, Man, it's been it's been something else, man. This, uh, this podcast really just started, you know, as out of need and just something that I felt I wanted to do in ter- you know, as, as as an academic, as somebody who is, you know, a public scholar and um, really wanted to provide a space just to have conversations around faith and race and gender and sexuality and sexual orientation. And I had no idea that we would be, you know, approaching, you know, over a thousand subscribers that I know of, plus just, you know, downloads and, you know, people from all over the world who are, are listening. And so... I am just amazed, y'all. I'm just, I'm, I'm just blown away. And so I just want to thank everybody for listening and just the, the encouragement, uh, Mario, I see you, man. Uh, you know, emailing me, man, I'm going to get you that book, brother. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, people are like, man, when's it going to be start? When's it going to be starting? So man, it just does my heart good because man, if you are anywhere near, uh, out from under a rock, you know that we are in some perilous times. Uh, A lot has passed since I signed off on season two. And my hope is that someday we can come back and look at the, and listen to these, look, (laughs) you listen to these uh, episodes and be like, wow, that was a really messed up time. I'm not even sure how we survived that. But the present moment here, uh, things are messed up. I mean, we don't believe women. Uh, We have a president that continues to um, he is creating a space that is very interesting. That's, that's what's unique about. I think Trump is that he is, you know, for him is being a racist and being somebody who is, you know, who he is as a sexist and, and whatnot and all the, you know, just all the, the, the legal cases that are against him, the public, he's gotten what the public gets, not about facts it's not about the you know the hardcore issues it's about the popularity celebrityism the the narcissism right and so um as somebody who researches this stuff uh you know it's very interesting just to see how people ingest Trump and I think this uh latest visit with Kanye and uh him is just an example of just how jacked up you know our na- nation really is right now our country is is not in good shape and so we are we, we I've, I've been saying it but this it just feels like it just keeps getting worse with Kavanaugh being elected to the Supreme Court you know um that's just bad news for anybody who just you know e- even if you're a moderate i mean to have these type of allegations the fact that the FBI i mean that whole thing was just a farce i mean if it had been anybody else, right, you know, it. it we would have, you know, we all well, let you know this. That. I mean, even, you know, going all the way back to Clarence Thomas. I mean, we didn't believe Anita Hill way back in the day. Um, and the fact that, you know, so many people came out, including women, right, um, you know, who said, I don't believe her. I, I think she's lying. I think that, you know, there's something, you know, there's something there's something wrong with her. She's the abuser. She's the one who has has the problems, not him man, y'all, we've, you know, we, we've away. And I get, I see some of these polls. I see some of these New York times polls, ABC polls, right. That are saying, um, you know, that, you know, have you know, over 45% of the nation, you know, doesn't approve of Kavanaugh's thing. I was like, well, where are these folks at? Right. Cause I'm just trying to figure out, um, and Andre Johnson tweets about this a lot. It's like, you know, elections have results. They, they have, a, a a they have a, a sustaining result because here's the thing folks keep talking about you know impeaching trump and first and foremost he's getting re-elected in 2020 i don't you know we're here at this point as i start season three uh the first episode uh we are preparing for the midterms but i don't really expect much out of that because again we are in a different time and if the democrats do take it what are they going to do what have the democrats done right for particularly people of color what have they done you have elites you have moderates and stuff and so now you have this cat in the supreme court now you have two conservative nominees i mean if you haven't listened to the kavanaugh hearings and if you haven't listened to ford's testimony i mean you, i mean i don't even have to post the link you just go to youtube type that in and there are i mean you can just listen to the whole thing and just and check it out for yourself but you know, when we consider Mike Brown and Trayvon and uh, Tamir Rice, whose officers you know working again, right? Who killed him? Um, you know, those were all men. They're all grown men. But then we have a conversation around Kavanaugh. Oh, and he was a boy. That was happened thirty years ago. We don't even have an understanding of trauma enforced conversation or trauma not even enforced, but trauma informed. Excuse me. Um, conversation and 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 what that even means. Like what does it mean to really, you know, look at trauma? What does it mean to be abused? And as men, yo, fellas, we really have to take a back seat to this conversation. I mean, in terms of, you know, listening to women. I mean, yes, if you've been sexually abused or you've you you've been assaulted like that, absolutely your story needs to be included in that. But when it comes to cross-examining women, I've noticed that whatever conversation—I've said this before—but whatever conversation we are having on race, whatever advancements we've made, so wherever you think we're at right now, the present day, with our on our conversations and just and just in our policy of race, I need, you need to subtract at least fifty to seventy years from that, and that's where we can even begin to enter into the conversation of gender and gender roles, sexuality. Um, it's ass backwards. We we got some ass backwards stuff. And then you enter the church. Oh my gosh. It is ass backwards theology. Um, I am so just, I mean, I have to really watch myself when I go to evangelical settings because I do not consider myself evangelical anymore. And the more I get into studying theology now that those lenses are off my, my damn face. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't. I have to just restrain myself because I, I find that it's it colonizes minds to the place of of to the place and space and level of suppression. Uh suppression of thought, suppression of, you know, because everything's gotta be about Jesus, everything's gotta be about forgiveness, everything's gotta be about reconciliation. And none of those things are working right now, y'all. None of them. I think we can think about it in short time, in short, in short pockets. Uh, I was watching Rosa Clemente. Uh, she's a scholar. She is an activist. She's amazing. If you haven't followed her, follow her. She's on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and she's written some amazing things. And so I follow her on Instagram. And So I was, she was live streaming the Kavanaugh swearing in, right? You know, and she's just sitting at I Me, mean, she's just commenting. But one of the things I thought was interesting, she was like, "Yo, you know, if you an activist, you an organizer, like whatever we're doing, it's not working. We got to do something new." And I guess that's just really the space that I'm at. And I don't really have an answer. Right. I don't. I mean, Robin Espinosa, you know, we we had um, a when we were at Wild Goose this summer, we talked about, um, you know, building the plane, building the infrastructure of a new activist movement. uh, But we're, we're 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 building the plane as if we're already in flight. We're like at 30, 40,000 cruising speed, but we're somehow we got some engines, right? So we were able to get lift, but we don't, everything else is just kind of like in 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 disarray. Um, and, and this is, and here's the thing. This is not to say anything against folks who protest. This is not to say anything against folks who go out and march. This is not, uh, you know, to say anything against anybody who is, you know, out there doing those things. I've been in that streets. I've been there. I mean, hell with that stuff. I mean. Look, those are those are good things. But I have to say this. Have they run their course? Okay, have they, you know, because when they were first introduced, right, protesting, boycotting, um, marches, we were at the beginnings of what we now would define as new media. Right. People were just starting to get televisions in their home. Right. In the early 60s. Um, popular culture was just beginning to kind of grasp United States we were just beginning to get our minds around um the newscast, right you know no longer do we have the radio no longer do we have a town center no longer does it take days to get a newspaper across the country now it's instantaneous now we have you know um we can beam satellite images or I can watch a pre-recorded uh um uh, uh, show or I can see now on television wow these people are getting beat down that's crazy but now fast forward to 2018 you can type in any of the hashtags, right? Philando Castile, um, you know, I mean, the list goes on, right? And you can see these people getting killed. That doesn't move you, right? And when I say you, I mean, collectively as a nation, that doesn't move anybody. In fact, most people are just like, oh shoot, you know, it's like, we just had the Laquan McDonald and I'll I'll get to that in a second. And somebody's like, yeah, but what about, I'll get to that in a second. But you can watch Laquan McDonald get shot 16 times, die, fall to the ground, right? You know, like brand newbies say, "Watch his body catch the shakes, man." You know, and it's like, God damn! Like you can see that, and we're still just kind of like, eh. I mean, we have become in 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 some ways very desensitized to a lot of the sound bites, a lot of the visual bites that we see. So the idea of stopping traffic on the one hundred and one or whatever, wherever it is, that that's cool. What is the end result? And I get it. I can hear some organizers out there that, yeah, but damn, look, I get you. I'm not knocking it. I'm just seriously, critically asking the question, what is working? And I'm not trying to rush to solutions. Yes, we need to sit and lament. We need to sit in the the uncomfortableness of what is racism, especially for those of you who are white. We need to sit in the uncomfortableness of what is sexism. You need to sit in the uncomfortableness of of listening to somebody's story who has been sexually abused and is just now recounting that horrific event. Yes, all those things are important. I am just simply saying, looking forward, because Trumpism is going to continue on long after he is out of the office. That's why I said even if, even if he gets out in 2020, which he's not, but if he is, okay, we have two Supreme Court nominees. We have over 28 seats that are in the lower courts that are being filled, right? No one's even talking about this stuff, but they're being filled by Trump. I mean, so this has long repercussions for the right to vote, okay? Uh, the erosion, the continual erosion of civil rights, particularly me as an African-American or a black as a black man, African-American, Mexican-American... Um, It has significance accounts because guess what? At some point, it's still going to come back up to vote to see, should African-Americans, you know, be able to vote? You know, are they mentally competent enough? You know, this was a conversation when Bush was, uh, Bush uh, Jr. was in in office. He re-signed the act. Why does that have to be an act? Why does it even have to be voted on? Really? We got to have a conversation on that? So I'm just saying, y'all, we... We got some major problems and I know it's really easy to go to church and to kind of just ignore some of this stuff and get into our own personal stuff. Absolutely. That's good. Do your self care. I mean, that's the whole thing of this episode, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, But let's not forget that. I mean, okay, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you another way. It's like those folks who are still saying this is not the America I know or You know, I you know, there was still people, mostly white men who were like, oh, there's no way Kavanaugh will get, you know, into the Supreme Court. I mean, I knew he was going to be in the Supreme Court. I knew the minute he was nominated, he was going to get in there. Right. Um, You know, it's it's like the people who continually say, man, I just I don't recognize this country anymore. I'm just like, right, because you haven't had any skin in the game. Okay, let me just be real. I don't want to be disrespectful, or nothing, but you haven't had any skin in the game. If you're still in that position of man, I just don't know this guy. You ain't had no skin in the game. You've been able to skate by on certain levels of privilege. You've been able to skate by. It'd be, it'd be like me, the equivalent of saying, I don't, I don't know what these women is talking about. I've never been sexually assaulted. Oh, man, I think they're just, you know, they're just a little too sensitive. It'd be the equivalent of me saying that, and, and which is true, I haven't ever been sexually assaulted that my mind has allowed me or allowed me to, 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 to relive. I mean, to, to my knowledge, I do not know of a time that I was sexually assaulted. So it it, it would be a farce for me to say that I have no experience. I have no context, but this is where we're at. Right. And, and I'm, I'm trying to sound the alarm with where we're at. And I know this is just a podcast and I'm not trying to get on my soapbox as much as I'm trying to say, Y'all, we we have a lot of work. Um, those of you who consider yourself agents of change and those of you who consider yourself activists and involved in, in, in particular different communities. Um, there's just a lot to be done. There's a lot to get done. There's a lot to um, to begin to wrestle with, um, you know, in the new generation. And I would say new generation, particularly those under the age of 21. Those cats, you know, it's they dang sure are going to have especially the ethnic minorities in that group are going to have even less patience. Uh, with white folks in white America. So I'm not sure what that all means. You know, I think a lot of us, especially those of you listening to this podcast, I know a lot of you probably, you know, you don't want it to come to armed revolt, but I, 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 I see the binary. I see it's it's going to come to some head as an armed revolt or something supernatural has to happen. It's one of the things I like about the movie. Um, oh man, I'm spacing it right now. Oh, uh, arrival. There we go. You know, Arrival, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to been spoiler alert, uh, if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about, you know, but it's like, so you have these, you know, these extraterrestrials come to Earth, they're in different parts of the world, they show up, and so, they, you know, and so all the nations uh, are trying to figure out, okay, what do they want, are they going to attack, should we attack first, and so they're trying to decipher their language, and so there's, you know, at the, at the point in the movie where it kind of reaches its height, this, it, you know, it's where all things are calamity, right, in the story, um, it's like, you know, everybody's like figuring, okay, we got to attack these aliens. We got to get them before they get us, right? Uh, and this one woman who's just, who's the scientist who's just like, no, I need to take this a step further, but I don't know what else to do. So the aliens, right, do something supernatural, right? They are able to shift time. And so they're able to take her into the future and they give her a view, vision of the future. And so she's able to see the future as she's talking to the, to the, one. To the, to the, I think it's like the, the military chief in China, and, you know, he's, she's telling this stuff as she's looking into the future. So it's this crazy thing on time. My point being in all of that is is that it was something supernatural. So something supernatural has to happen. I don't know what that is. I really don't. I'm not, I'm no supernaturalist or supernatural. Pride. I love the love the television series Supernatural, but I am no I am no supernatural predictor. But I know something like that is going to have to happen because we are at a place where we just can't figure it out on our own. We just can't. Um, and I don't know what that's going to mean. You know, I don't. For those of you who are kind of like in time, are you know, Armageddon type of folks, I don't know what that means. I know a lot of people who are saying that now. I don't believe the world's going to end. Um, You know, I don't think that I think the world will still be here in another five billion years. I really do. Um, But where are we at as a society? We know that we as humans can be vicious to each other. We know that, you know, and theologically, um, you know, evangelical theology of, oh, God will protect you runs out. When you think about 400 years of brutality and slavery, enslavement here in these here United States. Right. I mean, the question then goes out, where was God for those folks? Because there was plenty of folks who knew God, quote unquote, had a relationship with God. So where was God? So I'm just saying we may be in a deeper pile of shit than we care to actually admit. Um. So, you know, that brings me to, again, <laughs> what are you doing I know for me, what I'm doing, I'm looking, I am looking small. I am looking inwardly. I'm, I'm an educator. So let me educate, right? My job, I get paid to go and educate students. And so let me engage with that. I feel like now that I have tenure and I feel like I'm in the prime of what I do, I feel like I've been doing a long time. I feel like I'm in a good pocket. So let me leverage that. Um, let me live into where I feel, God has placed me at this given moment in time. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to raise a daughter, trying to help her be critically minded. Right. I'm hoping that she excels further than I have gone. I'm hoping to propel her further than than I've ever been. You know, she's already a leg up on me. Right. Because, she, you know, she doesn't have to go through any of the stuff. Uh, or I would say easily 98% of the stuff that I, that I experienced in a negative manner, uh, in grade school, uh, and in, in middle school, she had to experience that. So she's on a different plane. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm hoping she continues on the legacy long after I'm dead. Right. You know, I'm at that point in life now where I'm looking at my legacy. What the hell is it going to be, right? And I don't want to be like the man, you know, we got to go piss on everything. We got to wreck something, right? Some phallocentric something, right? No, I ain't talking about that. But what is the mark? So part of that is books. Just came out with a new book. I'm sure some of you listening know about the new book, right? You know, Homeland Insecurity. We'll be talking more about that. Don't be tripping. <laughs> um. So, you know, I, I think we've we've sold ourselves a Hollywood ending too many times, right? We want the bad people to get to get what they get at the end, and we want the good persons to, um, to you know, to triumph. And and and, you know, I want to believe that the arc of the universe bends towards justice. Um, but I also know that the arc of the universe is also funded. <laughs> okay, and there is money involved and that is really the church that all of us pay homage to like I tell my students all the time I'm not here at work volunteering now I'm not here just for my health (laughs) stop it shit you know I'm here because I I need to get paid you know what I'm saying I didn't just go and get my PhD for free that you know they just weren't just handing out PhDs so, no, I need to pay. I still got loans I got to pay. I got a mortgage. You know what I'm saying? I got a kid. I got, shoot, I want to get, you know, some stuff. So, money. So, it's interesting just to see how that plays, you know. And so, you know, I look at this. If you're following the uh, the case or you're following me on Twitter, you know, last week, last Friday, um, the Laquan McDonald trial of Jason Van Dyke, the verdict came in. And so, it was, you know, guilty. And I loved that they read all the guilty counts for each of the 16 shots that he shot into Laquan. They read each of those. That was beautiful. Um, that was a tough day y'all. Cause man, that evoked all kind of crazy stuff inside of me. Um, in regards to, you know, my past, if you know me if you, again, if you have just listened to the podcast, I always recommend folks go back to episode zero, zero episode one of this, of this podcast, uh, of season one, episode one. Um, is my story so you can you know you can check that out and everything but you know in short you know i was in the la uprisings in 92 so it was like man friday was a stressful day because i wasn't sure what that verdict was going to be and quite honestly i was actually expecting it to be a a, a not guilty full acquittal especially as how fast they came back with it i was like oh hell no man so i am tripping out that, you know, that this is, it, it was a historical moment. I was live tweeting myself and, you know, I was, you know, I went on the little live thing that Twitter has and, you know, I was just like, wow, this is historical because it, it you know, you just don't see a lot of this. Not second degree murder. I get that. And, you know, it's like, so I'm, I'm hoping, I guess the next battle of this is to see what he gets as a sentence. It's supposed to happen here in a few weeks. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time uh, here in October, but, you know, we'll see we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it, I do. I hope justice is served. And at the same time, you know, I, I understand just, you know, it's difficult to convict, you know, a, a police officer, even as a former police officer. And so, um, you got to remember George Zimmerman is still, still talking smack till still talking about folks, you know, telling folks that, you know, that he, you know, he's bragging about, you know, Trayvon Martin, you got to remember that that's still happening. So, yeah, y'all. I mean, I was thankful. And that was good. You know, in the following day, Kavanaugh gets, you know, uh, sworn in at the Supreme Court. So I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, Jesus in heaven. So, man, we got a lot this season. I'm really looking forward to leaning into, like I told you at the end of last season, uh, mental health. That's this first episode. I'm going to introduce uh, my first guest uh, for season three here in a minute. But uh, this is big because I think one of the things that we lose sight of is what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to actually be in a, in, in, well, let me put it to you like this. What does it mean to actually live some of the things that we go to conferences for? Okay. When the, you know, when the speakers get up and say, oh, this life of goodness and fulfillment and everything, what does it actually mean to live that? What does it mean to get there? You know, I just mentioned earlier that I was living, you know, I feel like I'm in my prime. Well, that just didn't happen. That was a lot of hard work, a lot of therapy. You know, I'm on Zoloft. I'm not ashamed to say that. I take stuff for depression and anxiety. Um, I've struggled with that my entire life. I will continue to struggle with that. Thank God there are doctors. Thank God some scientists invented, came up with Zoloft that works with my body system. And I'm able to feel a little bit better. Not to say that it completely goes away, you know, because, you know, don't get into that bullshit notion of like, oh, we've been delivered and healed and, you know, now I'm never going to have to deal with it. No, that's just denial, son. Straight up. So what? I would really want to lean into that this uh, this season. I also want to talk about, you know, what, you know, the LGBTQ uh, community. How do we look at activism in that community? What, what are some of the intersectional? lenses that we need to engage with so i'm going to be talking with folks from there our brothers and sisters uh and non-binaries from the lgbtq community um we're also going to be looking at you know different authors and their perspectives i'm even bringing some folks on here that i might not necessarily agree with but i think it's great to have those conversations with folks and just to see what they're up to and see what they're engaging in. so i'm excited about season three i am um There's not a lot I'm excited about these days in life outside of my family and my daughter. You know, our daddy daughter dates on 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 Friday. But I am really excited about, you know, what uh, what I'm doing creatively. Uh, Another thing this season that you'll notice is that the music you hear that little music in the background right now. Uh huh. Yeah. Check that out. So that's my music. Uh, y'all i'm back in the studio yeah i'm back up in that studio y'all i spent most of the summer trying to learn logic pro uh you know i went to udemy and uh, downloaded some uh, teaching videos so now i don't have to worry about copywritten music because it's my music (laughs) you know what i'm saying i was i produced it, i put it together so um I'm excited to show some of that off, you know, and, you know, give give a brother a couple more weeks before you come, crit, you know, critique it and say, man, that sucks, dude. Why didn't you get that? Just give me a minute, man. Let me enjoy it. Damn. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, no, man, you know, hit me up. I know some of you have been asking about, hey, man, I know you've been working. Some of you know I've been working in the studio and trying to get, you know, my tracks back, but it feels good to be back producing. It's a whole new language that I had to learn uh, to come out of the analog world and get into the digital world. Um, those of you who know and work with Pro Tools and Logic, I mean, you know, just, just learning the software and all the things that it can do, the customizations that you can do, you know, how do you export? How do you render? How do you bounce? Uh, you know, what compression rate? All those things are important. Uh, so I'm excited to just showcase some of that music here and not have to to worry anymore about, okay, am I biting this song? Does somebody own the song? Is somebody going to, you know, write me a a letter of cease and exist or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So that's that. That's, that's some of the music. The other thing is, uh, is that, you know, I'm just going to go on and lean into the profane part of this. So we're going to be using a lot more stronger language. So gird your loins, you know, some of that, you know, may not necessarily be appropriate for, uh, sensitive ears and not necessarily just children, but sensitive ears. All right. Um, And so I'm really trying to bring you guys continued conversations uh, from thought leaders and not just the thought leaders that are getting paid $5,000 honorariums and speaking all over the country, folks that tend to not get a lot of that publicity, but have some amazing stuff. Uh, that they're doing and, and some material. And so, again, season three, I know I took almost 30 minutes to do this, but there's a lot to cover, y'all. And I haven't even gotten to the Black Pastors and, and Kanye and going up in the, in the White House and stuff, man. Yeah, oh, dude, dudes and dudettes and, and, I, and everything else in between. There's just so much. <laughs> so I ain't trying to cover it all. Uh, we got a lot of work. I'm going to continue to bring stuff up. I definitely want to um, you know, talk a little bit more about the news and some of the things that we're dealing with. Uh, and also, I'm in the process of starting another podcast called Progressively Black with my good friend and colleague, Tamisha Tyler. I've had her on the show a couple of times. Uh, if you really want to hear her insight, check out, the, I think it was last season, uh, it might have been episode two or three, uh, we were talking about Black Panther. It was Black Panther review with Tamisha. And so her and I are starting a podcast looking at what does it mean to be black and left, right? Not necessarily even democratic, but just left. What does it mean to be that person? Because, you know, there's not a lot of space in the African-American community that deals with, and, and sure, we can talk about race and equality and all that stuff, but what happens when you does not necessarily interpret the Bible the same way the ancestors did or the same way grandma did, you know? So, I thought we needed a space for that. I've been thinking about that for a while. In fact, my good friend, Melvin Bray, um, he and I had these, have had these conversations at numerous points, at different conferences and different spaces or when I'm at, in, out in Atlanta, um, about what does it mean? I mean, we're, are all the spaces. Cause oftentimes when you go to progressive or liberal spaces, they're often very white and clueless about the, the race thing. Right. So yeah, it's just like, man, we need to <laughs> we need to. We need to have. We need to have our own space. So that's what that's going to be about. Be on the lookout for that. We're hoping to launch uh, February first, twenty nineteen. Uh, so we're going to start building up some uh, some momentum. We're in the process now of uh, getting the infrastructure together. RSS feeds, website. Uh, we got some social media outlets. We are on um, uh, on Twitter, so you can go take a look take a look at that. Um, and yeah, it just it's it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a real good time. So let me introduce my first guest. I know I had, but I had to break it down. It was a lot, You know, it's a lot to cover. Dr. Elizabeth Pierre, she's the Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care and Counseling and Counseling Psychology over here at North Park Theological Seminary. Uh, She teaches graduate courses in the seminary and in the School of Professional Studies. She's able to bring her background as a pastor into the classroom to share about some of the experience she has had to prepare her students. Dr. Pierre hopes that her students would integrate their learning into various aspects of their lives. And to learn as much as as possible about themselves, Dr. Pierre was able uh, to, uh, Dr. Pierre, excuse me, Dr. Pierre was able to, during her undergraduate years, say something like this, quote, I love seeing people fully live out what God has created them to be, end quote. And she is just a marvelous friend. Um, She hangs up with my wife all the time. They have great conversations. And I said, you know what? I think this would be a great episode to start on. As someone who gets the therapeutic field, as somebody who understands, uh, you know, all the intricacies of that, who is licensed. I wanted to have this conversation. What does it really mean to be healthy, mentally healthy and engage with some of the issues? And so I thought this was a great conversation. I hope you will enjoy it. And uh, if this is your first time checking uh, Profane Faith out, hey, thank you. Welcome. Subscribe. Like. WhiteHotchPodcast.com. We are going to have, you know, uh, I'm, I'm working on deeper, more complex show notes as well. So stay be on the lookout for that. Um, but you can go to WhiteHodgePodcast.com That's where the show notes are at. And, um, you know, you can download some other material there as well. And you can go to WhiteHodge.com I've got some material there as well. And so I just really want to be able to provide, you know, some space for some of these conversations. And so without any further ado, folks, Dr. Pierre and I are breaking down. Mental health, being a person of color, and being in the Trumpster era. Check it out. All right. Well, we are recording. There we go. All right. Well, welcome back, folks. I told y'all I was going to have some good uh, people here to talk about mental health, blackness, and all that good stuff. And faith Have my good friend, Dr. Elizabeth <laughs> Pierre. Am I saying your last name right? Yeah,
0: Pierre's right. Okay. Yes, it's All right. to be here, Dr. Dan Hodge. Oh, my gosh.
2: Hodge. Well, mm-hmm. the one question I ask everybody, because I really want to hop right into this, because this is your okay. field and everything, mm-hmm. but how did you end up from birth to now? How did mm-hmm. you get here?
0: Man. <laughs> That's a huge story, but let me just think of some highlights. Well, I think it's important for you, well, you know, and folks to know that being children of Child of immigrants is significant. okay so I'm Asian yeah. American. Um, come from a country, my family comes from a country that has been traumatized for ages. Hmm. Um, so that was a huge part of my growth. I'm hearing that narrative from baby docked and that's why my family got to the States, my parents and my siblings. I'm the only one born in the United States. Oh wow. Um but also that my parents lived very well, you know, in yes. Haiti. They were living it up back in Haiti. Wow. Um, but they had to leave given the, the, the regime. So they got to the States and, you know, as a, ch- as a child, you don't, uh, you don't recognize the sacrifices that your parents make
2: sometimes. Yeah.
0: And I realized that, you know, my parents left prestigious jobs, a nice cushy job to help us kids. Um, so they left Haiti, came to US um, where I was born and uh i grew up hearing the narratives of my people haitian people and um what they've been through and i think i've always been drawn to folks on the margin Mm.
2: Mm. okay i think that was always
0: part i think that's how god has made me um just hearing people's stories folks on the margin and um as a kid i remember just Finding kids, people, kids were drawn to me who were like on the dregs, you know, Yeah, yeah. and uh, just was always drawn to that, that, that kind of uh, those kind of folks, because recognizing that I was on the margins, too, <laughs> as a child of immigrants, as a dark skinned woman, yeah. kid, and as a young girl who was smart in a very diverse neighborhood. Mm. So I grew up in a diverse neighborhood and okay. people didn't quite get me because here is this kid in the, the community who's diverse, but like using certain words or talking a certain way. I'm from Jersey. I hope you don't hear the Jersey <laughs> accent. But people kind of questioning my blackness by the, how I sounded. Wow. So that always kept me wow. sort of like on the margin. Like, Yeah, Are yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Um, actually, there's a story that kind of, you know, I just, while it's on my mind, so I was doing some therapeutic work on the South Side mm-hmm. and working I loved them. They loved me. It was a predominantly black community. And while during lunch, Dr. White had, this woman came up to me <laughs> Black woman right during lunch she said okay all right you're not around here are you you're not from around here
2: just out of the blue just out like of the that. blue
0: i'm picking, trying to get my bologna sandwich or whatever <laughs> right right and then she says uh you're not from around here she goes you've been around a lot of right people haven't you
2: wow just and like I, that just
0: like that and she kept and i looked at her and i it, i was so stunned right. because i was yeah. just like Wow. And I was like, well, I live from I'm from New Jersey. That's all I could say because I didn't know what to say at the moment. Oh, but, absolutely. Right. Right. But that's been sort of part of my story. So anyway. Wow. Um, had a converging experience. Grew up Catholic, but I had my own conversion experience in high school. Um, my faith in Christ is integral to who I am, but I think it's evolved and changed. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing the stories of other people's trauma, my own personal um, issue around mental health and trauma has shaped who I am. Okay. Right. Um, enabled me to to be empathic. Um, so I went to college, got my degree, thought I was gonna become a medical doctor because that's what Haitian kids do. That <laughs> didn't happen. Um, oh, went off to uh, seminary, my first seminary experience. Okay. Out on the East Coast, got an MA in Christian education, All did right. ministry um in an urban community, working with um well known they're well known pastors, Presters Ray and Gloria Hammond. They had a nonprofit called Do the Right Thing. W R I T E.
2: Interesting. And working okay.
0: with um, young girls, um, that's really shaped me. Cause seeing a lot of the self hate that a lot of these girls had, mm. and how mm. many of them didn't really know how special and beautiful they were. Right. Right. That was hard. Um, and then after that, I ended up going into. Long story short, ended up going into pastoral ministry. Wow! Um, okay. uh, working at a, an urban, uh, multi-ethnic church, but that was predominantly Asian with okay. Suncheon Ra back in okay. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, that's
2: right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cam- yes, Cambridge yes, yes, Community yes, yes. Fellowship
0: Church. Okay. And it was there. Mm. It was there. People were sharing stories with me. So it was interesting because I was the only black person on staff. It was Suncheon who's Korean. Okay. Uh, Chinese brother, a white brother and me. Mm. And I liked preaching, but it wasn't my thing okay but for some reason people would come with me with their stories of trauma just Mm. and i think part of it was because um i didn't really know the community was predominantly asian so i didn't really know the community yeah um so i was a safe person to share things share things with
2: interesting interesting Mm
0: -hmm. and so while it was in that space um dan i just felt the lord saying okay you're no longer called to be a pastor but called to go into counseling to actually Get a degree.
1: Wow,
0: I was like, "What?" And literally was one of those things I don't hear all the time from the Lord, like verbally or you know audibly. <laughs> right, but there was right. this snowing. It was in the middle of January. God's like, "It's time for you to leave." Wow, I was like, "What?" Dang, yeah. So I attempt as a administrative um, administrator at MIT mm-hmm. while trying to figure this out all out because I had needed a break from ministry. So long story short, I ended up getting an MA in counseling psychology.
2: Oh, okay. At Boston
0: College. Okay, all right. And it was the first time I had so many of women of color as professors. Interesting. Yeah, and to this day, one of these women, I actually talked to her on the phone last week, is Elizabeth Spark. She's now the associate dean at Boston College who still mentors me. So wow. they're the ones because I was happy. I was excited. I, you know, when you feel like you found your element, yes. I, you know, the movie in yes. Charge of Fire, it says, um, you know, when I run, yes. I feel God's pleasure. Right. In right. Right. Program, right. I felt God's pleasure. I was doing th- I d- was doing what I loved, or what I felt I was created to do and be. Hmm. And for me, I was I was glad. I'm like, this is it. But these mentors were like, you know, we think you can go further. We wow. think that we, we you know, and they called me out in a loving way. hmm. I thought that meant to do go to clinical work. And so, one of my mentors, who was also Haitian, was heading out to Miami. Okay. And she's like, "Well, why don't you come? You most likely you'll get in this program because I'm going to be there." So, was heading. I headed to University of Miami, thinking that's where I was going to be. Large Haitian population. It seemed at the time, Dan, that this was this is it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, it wasn't. I didn't get accepted to the program. <laughs> I was <laughs> devastated. <laughs> I was mad at <laughs> <of> God. <laughs> out a <of> tantrum. <laughs> and told god like, oh, i was upset man. with god and all sorts of all sorts of stuff but my advisor said you know you'll get it in if you apply again it was really tough the hmm. GRE scores not as strong as stuff so i was like okay oh, if that's the GRE. only thing yeah i can that i can i can do that and yeah. she was like i bet you if apply you're gonna get it in so i was in the process of reapplying but as i was reapplying dan mm-hmm. it didn't feel right
2: okay all right i was like all
0: right even though my professor mentor says i would get in this program even mm-hmm. though it seems ideally it would be great to be in miami mm-hmm. Asian people if something didn't feel right hmm. and so i was like this is not cool um so i prayed about it i remember bawling my eyes out and i told her i said i'm not feeling good about this and she's like listen you don't want to do a phd program that you're not excited about Shh. too damn hard yeah you ain't man
2: <laughs> who are you telling yes
0: so i was like okay and she looked at me she's like elizabeth isn't theology your thing anyway? Mm-hmm. They're great programs that in- intersect your love for psychology and theology. Man, and she's like, she's like, you'll know what to do by the end of this trip. I'll never forget it. It was two thousand. Wow. It was, it was um, early uh, two thousand nine, and okay. I remember that in Toronto. Okay, that we were at a conference?
2: Uh huh. With uh-huh. my
0: friend Sharon, we were on the bus together, and, um, and she was just like you know, I, I told her what happened. She's like, Oh, there's a great program that kind of intersects what you want to do. It's called mm-hmm. Garrett and uh, well, uh, the rest uh, is history. So I got wow. my PhD in pastoral theology Man. along with a clinical program. Also another psychology, like psycho more psychoanalytic,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, program, um, and graduated in 2016 and, have. uh, did clinical work downtown, um, for a bit and, but stopped it when I was writing my dissertation mm-hmm. and, um, my the I think what I think my who I am, my family story, my own story has kind of converged in the way that I love to learn, research, talk about issues around trauma, mental illness, faith, and psychological health Wow so it, I just i just there's all this stuff here, and there's not a lot a lot of research looking at these intersections, yes, around yes. faith, particularly I mean, around people of color absolutely. So my dissertation was looking at women who are Christian black women who are survivors of sexual violence. Okay. And then asking, and I was looking particularly at atonement theory. Does that foster ah, or hinder ah, their recovery?
2: Interesting. And I
0: found that, that actually the, the, the theology of atonement this is what I get like all nerded. nerded no,
2: just nerd <laughs> out, please. This is, this is what it's all about. Shoot. Um,
0: is that, for many white feminists, they would say that the... Not all, but many would say the cross is obsolete. That, you know, mm. Jesus was abused on the cross and some theories and whatever. Okay. But I will learn, not for black women, don't take their cross away.
2: Mm. See? Don't See? Do not
0: take their cross away because that was what has kept them mm-hmm. grounded. And actually, their faith in Jesus, this is where the psychology comes around, which I get excited about, kept them grounded, psycho- psych- psychologically sound.
2: Okay. See. Because they
0: could... They, because the, Jesus got them and these women yes. suffered horrible things, but if they could look to Jesus mm-hmm. and see Jesus as one who, as their co-sufferer, yes, they can make it. They're not alone
2: in their school and oh everyone my gosh.
0: else abandoned them. Right. Jesus didn't. And that kept them sane and grounded.
2: That is a trip that, mm-hmm. wow. So as you're, okay. So looking at this and looking at, I mean, what are some of the things that you see are well. Let me give you some context. So going back, so for me, I I wasn't. It wasn't until I had finished my master's and was working on my PhD at a conference that I found out that I was diagnosed with um, PTSD. Mm. Prior to that, I didn't know because religiously it was just like I remember. Yeah. I remember I went through this program. This guy uh, showed up to our church and he was like this psychologist, black psychologist, and I, honestly, he was a hustler. But it, nevertheless. <laughs> I won't mention any names and he came up to our church and he wanted to give us, you know, get us all like, you know, license and all this stuff like that. But the process was, you know, you have to heal yourself, which, OK, that's great. But it was like almost my idea of psychology was like you go to that when you're really, really bad. Mm. And if you've got really, really bad problems, almost on the on the point of going to a mental asylum. Yeah. Um. That's the only reason you need to go to that. You yeah. don't you don't need to go any any other time otherwise because God can fix it god mm-hmm. can fix it and mm-hmm. and if not you just got to keep having faith and so i'm yeah. I'm walking around it's like the walking dead dealing with all these things that are just coming out all these past traumas all these past issues it wasn't until somebody a psychologist told me
0: mm.
2: no you this is this is this is your diagnosis yeah but it was even then i mean it's i wouldn't i would say probably within the last four or five years just living into and being able to accept yeah those those things about me so That being said, so I just that that's just that's my side of it engaging with this. This is why I'm such an advocate for people getting the help they need. Right. What are some of the things that you see engaging and looking at, you know, traumas or whether they be, you know, sexual or verbal or physical? What are some things that you're seeing that are that are affecting us as black folk?
0: Oh, this is this is a great question, an important question. Um I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing, and whether it's my own work, going to conferences, talking to Black and Brown bodies, and how it will pass to generations if you don't deal with it.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And and it, it just it because it, it can't help it. So if right. you're not well, and you're trying to take care of your children or anyone else yes. or being, then you pass on that. So if you're suffering from PTSD, depression, anxiety, bipolar, or whatever other mental illness, what's going on? Yes. Then. It's hard if you're not working through that. You can live through it and actually thrive. Yes. But you need to get help. Man. You need to go see a therapist. Man, come on. You need to get some medication. Wow. You may even be part of a group. You Ooh. need to, all of those things where I think there's so much shame and stigma. Yes. A lot of it associated, Dan, with the, what it means to be a black man or what it means Absolutely. to be a black woman. Yes. That we are strong, that we're, and you know, one woman said, I was reading this article, that depression is a white woman's issue and not a black person's issue.
2: Oh, whoa. Yet yes, Yet it's literally yes.
0: killing us. Yeah, absolutely physically yes you're not working through this stuff yes but again it passes on and that's that's the pain because if you have a family and grow if people are not working their stuff out then it grows into a community mm-hmm. and then it goes through generations that's it and but it's again i want to let people clearly know that these things can be worked through you can live a, a, a full life with depression mm-hmm. with anxiety with by ptsd but yes you can't do it alone
2: and that's just it exactly yeah
0: you can't exactly. It
2: alone. i mean and i'm living proof of that i mean i suffer with depression i mean i'm on medication mm-hmm. i have zoloft my mm-hmm. you know my psychiatrist has me i think it's 150 maybe or whatever the the, the terminology yeah. is for that but yeah. my point is, is exactly that and and, it, and it, even to get to the medication you can ask emily this right <laughs> even to get to the point of taking yeah. medication yeah it took me a while like i had already been doing therapy for almost a decade Right. Now we was still like, right, but you still there's still that next level and I'm just still resistant to, yeah. oh, man, I got to, yeah. you know, medication and all that stuff. But now that I'm on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it right. just takes life from being like, oh, man, and, to like, oh, right. OK.
0: And thank God for it. I think, mean, thank right. God. I mean, this is a good yes. thing. <laughs> yes. That it's not making us less of a person of faith it's not making us less right christian less right. of a man less of a woman less of a black man less of a black woman or whatever but it's a gift that got it as a gift because right. i've seen the difference in people's lives yes i tell my students and people i go to therapy faithfully every week hmm. That's important, like anything. I mean, I don't have to wait for a crisis Mm -hmm. in order to make Mm -hmm. sure I'm taking care. And we're not good at taking care of ourselves. No,
2: we're not. No, absolutely not. And for
0: some people, I mean, for a lot, it's not a luxury to take care of yourself. It's just basic. Right. (laughs) Right. You know? Right. We take care of our cars, Dan. We get an oil change. Absolutely. We make sure our dry clean. We get our hair and nails done. You know what I
2: was about to say. I mean, you know that.
0: You know? We go, th- yeah. That money is almost the same. You can get sliding in there. You know, you can take care, making sure you're well and your mental state. Shh, man. So you don't pass it on to your children or to other men mam- or people <sighs> dating and marrying people they shouldn't be marrying.
2: Well, that's just it. Because <laughs> they're not working is... through their stuff. Man, I mean... Because those past traumas, I mean, I think that's, that's what the, So my psychologist before the one I had now in California was telling me, you know, talking to me about, about that very thing, right? This, what is it, that epigenics or something yeah, like yeah, that?
0: Yeah, 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 uh-huh.
2: And I was blown away mm-hmm. by that because I was like, wow. And not having known my dad, I don't know what I got from him. Mm, yeah. I know what I got from my mom. I know that I, I, I got depression. I know mm. that there are... At times, suicidal tendencies when things can get really bad. And so, I've, you know, having that, having to deal with that, having to engage with that, you know, and again, you talked about being a black man. I mean, those are not things that you just go, especially growing up on the street where you just like, hey, man, you know, I'm struggling with depression. And man, yeah. people going to be like, man, you need to man up, bro. You ain't got time for all that. Mm-hmm. And then that just adds a whole nother layer of like, what well, shame. I don't I don't want right, to say anything.
0: Right, right, right.
2: How do you how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you, you know, engage with that? I mean, and as a psychologist, like what is what is the role of, 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 of a therapist? Also, what is the role of somebody who's just sees somebody? But and, and you know, they're dealing with it. Like what? How do we even engage with that?
0: Other great questions, I think. OK, because one of the things I addressed in my dissertation was the role, how important the role of the church is, okay. particularly the black church. Mm hmm the black church is not just a Christian institution, but it's a political situation institution. It's places where people meet and greet and galvanize and organize. Absolutely. Pastors need to get with it, particularly Hmm. black pastors, all pastors, particularly black pastors, to recognize given the statistics around mental illness, maybe the pastor themselves is struggling with something, but haven't hasn't named it yet. You have to be able to name these issues and say and normalize them yeah you don't have to wait for like a mental health day month or year <laughs> you can just base the psalms are full of stories of people going through wow and who are depressed yes and anxious yes and going from highs to lows right elijah david ruth naomi well naomi's like she's like don't even call me naomi call me mara the god has left me wow. does that sound like depression to you wow. or some level of it yes you know what i mean yes yes so they're there are so many stories in the Bible that can be lifted up to, so you can start engaging these issues in ways that's yes. not stigmatizing. Right. We can, we're people of faith, but we're also very human. We're incredibly vulnerable, but we're also credibly resilient. So just be able to name and talk these things through. That's one way. So just good old fashioned psychoeducation. Yes. You know, and name it and talking it. you know, saying and telling families I'm going to my, just say, you know, I'm going out there and not making them be like, you know, I'm just going to go see my therapist today right what because right. you know it, it, you don't have to hide it there's nothing wrong there's nothing to hide
2: what i know for me my family was and I'm, I'm not sure i know i've talked with other people who this was kind of the same thing where they felt like okay if you go to a therapist now you're telling our family business.
0: oh yes airing the dirty secret especially if it's a white person right yeah why are you right. telling people well, right. yeah it's hard it's true right yeah
2: so i don't know i mean so if there's somebody out there listening because i'm sure there is who's yeah. Been dealing with this just kind of i mean what would you what would you like you know talk with that because like here's my concern the big concern i have particularly with, with black folk african-american folk is suicide
0: yes yeah, yeah.
2: and the issues surrounding that right that do you know we don't hear about it until it's too late or we don't yeah. we hear about until it it's like you know it's like oh well, they made it was an attempt made or something like that so it's like yeah you know what how do you engage that i mean just from a therapeutic mm. perspective
0: Thank you. Um, I think the first, for those of you who are out there, given the statistics, I know there's probably hundreds or if not thousands mm. struggling, um, who've had either actually suicidal ideation this day. First and foremost, you have to know that you're not alone.
2: Mm.
0: It may seem like you're alone and it, and, and the thought, especially if you're in a, in a dark place of depression, you, you are not alone. So,
2: mm. Mm
0: call that there are hotlines now for that if, if you're feeling uncomfortable to talk to someone that yeah. you might know yeah pick up the phone and call a suicide hotline they're anonymous people it's just to kind of engage it but you just know that you're not alone so please do that um if you're out there listening to this secondly is as best as you can so you if you do that but you're still struggling you know at the time is to see someone in your community i mean there must be someone hopefully someone. That you can tell someone, again, honestly, like you know, honestly, this is what's really going on with me. I don't know if it's a a caregiver, if it's a friend, someone at your church. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to let it out because to kind of show you you're not on and 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 the thing, the tricky thing about it is finding those safe people. Right. You know, and right. that and right. honestly that could people jump like, Oh my gosh, you're crazy, something what happened to you, let like, in the spirit, whatever. But people need again. That's where yes. the psychoeducation yes. comes in. Yes. Just because someone depression, there are lots of reasons for 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 depression. A lot of some of it's genetic. Some of it's, um, some of it is just circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but getting out of your head, and just to think about, also, it is worth taking care. That the cost of your your life is worth something. Yeah. Your life is worth living. Mm. Um, It's so important. I know it may seem like it isn't. I don't know what the circumstances might be. I know it might feel overwhelming at this point, but this is not the only part of your story. Your story is still unfolding. Wow. I think that's where people think, oh, this is it. It's not it. It feels like it is for now. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important to get out of that space. So if you're at home or if you're in a car and you're thinking about doing something to hurt yourself, this is not the end of your story. Mm. Your story is still unfolding. So call a hotline, reach out to someone. If you don't feel comfortable telling them what is actually going just say, you know what, I need, I need someone to come over and just be with me right now. Mm. If that's all that you can say yeah. before you delve, if it's too much for you to even say that, you're thinking about killing yourself. Just call a friend, a family member saying, just can someone come over or just go for a walk, just get out where you are. Um, so you can kind of get your head straight. Um and get the the support you need, um. But this is I just think important to know that this is your story and still unfolding. It's not it,
2: man. And that man, that's a powerful thing. How how would you say how bad, particularly in 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 the black church environment, is theological religious abuse?
0: Oh, it's huge because oh gosh, damn! We take us a whole another. <laughs> that's a whole nother show. I know, you know, I
2: know, I know, I know. But you know, but it's a good
0: thing. But you know. I think what's the hardest thing is that most churches and pastors don't realize what they're even doing. Okay. That's I mean maybe some do, but they're just the way that they talk about people, talk about women, talk about relationships, talk about God in a way that's sort of like um, disregarding people's humanity. You know, that we can be people of faith. We can, but we can also struggle. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't want to die. If anyone thought Jesus wanted to die.
2: <laughs> right. He's
0: not one he was like, I I know what I'm gonna enter in. You know? Yeah. So we tend to kind of spiritualize all these different things and not acknowledging the humanity of people. Hmm. And so and, and I think it, it because we, we're too anxious to engage that. So just pray about it, fast about it. Those things are wonderful. Right. But they don't take away people's necessarily pain. Wow. People need to be able to grieve and to name over and over what you find in the literature is Dan is like repressing something covering it up doesn't help Mm -hmm. you know people need that this is what happened and this and it takes time we want quick fixes right let's just jump and shout again there's a place in time not down I've jumped and I've shouted absolutely absolutely it takes time to work through all this stuff it is a process yes you know and that God can use therapy medication small groups all of that is part of the process right, to get you in a place where you can flourish. Mm. And I, I think that's what pastors and churches need to know.
2: Absolutely. Well, I, and I think, I mean, especially in this era where we're seeing, you're right, on the news cycle where it's just, you know, it's a constant barrage of really bad news. I mean, you know, oh gosh. It, yeah. it, you know, black bodies are not worth much. I mean, we got here in Chicago, we got the. At least at this time we got the Laquan McDonald trial going oh, on gosh, right now. And yeah. so I can't say I, I'm I, I'm thinking it's gonna be favorable, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that we should do, you know, to you know, to self care? What does that look like?
0: Oh, great. I mean this is hard because with the media you can fi- you can look at shootings over and over. over and over. Right. So that's one thing is to stop the to be as best as you can, yeah. refrain from watching and listening things over and over again your, your brain cannot take it literally your brain cannot take that information mm. that data mm. watching someone being shot hearing certain things our brain is can't can't contain it you're re-traumatizing yourself actually yeah you know i yeah. you know i know we want the information and, and and there's a way that people get sort of like a high from it mm-hmm. but there's also a real low and so refrain from watching listening i've had to do that take it like you know what i'm not doing this this week because it's just too much. Right. It is just too much. So that takes some discipline um from watching reading certain things. I just I just cannot do it. I think the second thing is To surround yourself again with people like my who can I mean I'm all about small groups and support groups. (laughs) Right. I mean NAMI, they're small. You can there's a a National Alliance for Institute for for health. Have groups. You can have them in your church and to have people can talk about these things. Same places that can talk about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And other churches are trying to do that, recognizing the issue of that, especially where there's a communities where there's so much violence. Right because what do you do with all that pain you're constantly being re-traumatized yes but again the research shows you cannot navigate the stuff alone you ha- the support system has to be in place yes and actually the church is can be that place when it's healthy
2: <laughs> but when <laughs> yeah. it's not
0: it actually can be it can impede people's um support yes um and these are basic things we hear all the time but exercising in our community you know mm-hmm. eating well all of those are grounding things sleeping
2: yeah yeah
0: all of these things keep us grounded because if you don't have the basics it's hard then it makes it harder to deal with all the other troubling things that are happening yeah you know
2: yeah yeah no absolutely well and i know you know the sleep thing i mean and speaking of that i mean i see a lot particularly in our community because there are a lot of folks who are service oriented or pastors or so what are some of the things that you do you know to 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 unplug right because I see a lot of people overworking themselves yep. and we don't get that sleep. Right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. or we may get a couple hours and then we're right back up. And then, and so it's that notion of, well, I got to keep going. I got to keep knowing who else right. is going to do it and stuff. Right. And I, at least for me, I found that that was still a need that I needed to process with inside of myself of, mm-hmm. of feeling like I needed some kind of self-worth. And so the work brought me self-worth. And so the drive was, okay, I'm gonna, I just got to keep going. I just got to right. keep and so that was something I had to work out, right? talk through and, you know, mm-hmm. and go all through all that and EMDR the whole nine. So. So. But what are some of the things that you do, you know, just to, you know, to unplug? I mean, and, 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 mm. and some practicality, some pragmatic ways.
0: OK, th- 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 those are important. So here's what I do. I don't respond to emails on the weekend.
2: Okay. All right. That's a
0: big thing for me. Okay. If it's not urgent and I tell my students, I'm not, if it's not, I'm not responding.
2: Okay. It
0: annoys people sometimes, but I'm fine. That's helpful for me. (laughs) I do not have to respond to an email until Monday morning. I'm done on Friday, Friday, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. or whatever. Yes. Yes. And then the weekend is for me. It's that's a weekend good. for me. That's it's it's for me and for my family and my friends.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that's one thing I do. I walk a lot. I love walking. Okay, all right. So um, I just I, I'm always by the lake somewhere <laughs> doing <laughs> to, I just, I just taking it in, especially with the weather's nice. So yeah. some form of exercise because they're finding that we are so disconnected to our bodies.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And
0: so we need to be better about like, how am I feeling? What's going on here? Yes, I have my weekly therapy session.
2: <laughs> all right yes you know yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: making sure things are going on because the work that i do i need to make sure i'm in a grounded space so i mm-hmm. don't get re-traumatized um and then because when people are when you're when you are especially in certain in certain communities you see the violence you hear the violence you walk to school you're going doing this stuff you put you in a very vulnerable place mm-hmm. and it's hard to stay grounded then you get caught up in it yeah. you find yourself engaging yeah. in ways that's not healthy either
2: yes you know yeah
0: so not checking my email, walking. Um, I love getting myself nice smelling candles.
2: <laughs> all right. And I, yes. think
0: it's, I think, especially as people of color, that we don't realize that we matter just as ma- as anyone else does.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: It's really like, you know, that work, that person, you matter just the same. Yeah. So if you're going to give all your attention to that child, that parent, that spouse, you need to give that same love into yourself.
2: Wow. Because wow. then you don't
0: have anything to give. Because the thing is, whether we like it or not, things are going to get done if you're gone. People are just going to keep moving.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. know?
0: So you have to realize, and I tell students and my clients, like, you matter just as the work that you're, you're doing. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, and taking time to see, what do I really love? Some of us don't even know what we really like or love. Right. We just keep And that's so important. Like, no, what do I really Do I like plants? Do I like walking? Do I? Maybe I should take up painting. Some of these stuff does not require as much money as you think. Right. Dollar store has plenty of, you know, coloring.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Something that that's life-giving to you. And you have to do that every day, actually.
2: Every day, okay. Something you have yeah, to say, yeah. what
0: am I doing? How am I replenishing myself today?
2: Yes, yes. If
0: you can't do it for an hour, do it for 30 minutes. Okay. And I know people have different, if you can't do it for 30 minutes, do it for 15 minutes. If you can't do some 15 minutes, do it, do it for five minutes. And I would encourage you for all those listening out there. Yeah. Being comfortable with yourself in silence.
2: Mm. Uh-oh. What,
0: just to be with yourself. Right. right. That you are worth yes. something without you doing anything. Wow. Your very existence is a gift.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: And you don't have to do anything for anybody or even for God to say that you are a gift.
2: Mm. That's deep.
0: And to hold that. Like, no. Well, even if I don't, I never teach again or never do what I love again. Mm-hmm. That I'm still precious in God's eyes. I'm still mm. made in the image of God, and that's enough.
2: Wow, oh, that's deep. I mean, because I mean, I think I know for so many folks, including myself, it's it's you almost feel guilty when you do something for yourself. Yes, right. What is that about? <laughs> don't oh, know you, you tell me doctor what is that about because i i mean and i still even today i mean i, just, I struggle with it. i'm getting better
0: yeah
2: um but it is it's almost like oh man i shouldn't be doing this i should be working i should be productive and, yeah you know and yeah there is that right because so, mm-hmm. i'm sure there's somebody thinking now but yeah but i gotta go do this and yeah i gotta go do it. how can you so two things one i mean unpack that a little bit what do you think that it's about and then number two. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things that my therapist really helped me to do, and has helped me to do, is being okay when I do mess up.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. and and not feeling that it's like you know if you're on a diet, but then like one day you know I love me some Popeyes chicken, it was just like you just tear it up and just yeah. go to town, <laughs> not feeling yeah. the guilt. Yeah. And carrying on with that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah. Cause I think this is where I thank God for grace. I mean, because the the thing is, the more we stay in that place, then we get into this really sick spiral. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I ate the Popeye's chicken or I did this or I acted this way. But okay, Repair it the best that you can, whatever that (laughs) might look like, and then keep it moving.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tomorrow's a new day. Right. But we're not I think as children, we're not taught how to uh, work through mess ups
2: no oh, no absolutely not they're yeah.
0: inevitable because we're human
2: uh, yeah right you know but right. we're taught
0: like you know that's why people hide things or don't yes. whatever because yes. it's like no the truth is you have to tell your kids you're gonna mess up and you sometimes you're gonna mess up really badly yes it's what you do yeah. with that mess up acknowledging yeah. it okay finding ways to repair it. i'll tell you a quick story then i'm going to go back to your question about like <laughs> what is that about i remember i'll never forget this i was taking care of all six of of my nephews and nieces at one point, they okay. were little, all, right. all age under four. I remember this. I was a, I think in college do or maybe grad school. I said they were. Oh, Betty's home. That's what they call me. We'll give them all. We'll <laughs> give the kids all to her.
2: Betty's
0: awful. So the kids are running around. I've had it. it was a, it was a long day. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: one of my nieces who would sit, who was sick at the time, was but was recovering. I couldn't find her because there okay. were all these kids running around. All right, yeah. And then I find her in the bathroom, in the toilet, playing with the toy. Dan, I lost it. I lost it. So I picked her up, plopped her on the floor, Uh, took the toy in her hand, I broke its head, and I (laughs) threw it across the room. And my nephew, the oldest one, came up to me and he said, "Auntie Betty, you broke his head." (laughs) And it was like, and I had to get down on my knees or bend down and apologize to those kids. Wow! Wow!
2: Okay. Say all right. Auntie
0: Betty lost it. (laughs) and i'm (laughs) sorry and i think something we need to be more comfortable doing is saying that we're sorry and meaning it yes and finding ways to repair that yes because it's inevitable but i think as adults to children i think we don't see that happen but i've you know right they need to hear that because that shows to them that you're human too
2: wow yes you know yes mom
0: messed up auntie messed up dad messed up all right How, how, how can we make this better that's a lesson, an incredible gem for your children.
2: That's true, that's very true, you yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And then um, the question about how do we get here, I do wonder, I don't know if this is, I'm, I'm processing with you right now. Mm-hmm. It's historically, our bodies were used to do things as, a, as slavery, that's all we were worth. No one cared yeah. about, Yeah. you, you, you pick cotton, you haul, hate, whatever we do, you know. Yes. Our bodies, no one really valued who we were as human beings, and I wonder if that's been internalized in some way. We're only worth Ooh. what we do. Woo! Come on. And I do believe Come those on. things get passed down. Yes, you, they do. oh, Because you also you have to live. So if you didn't work, you would die.
2: That's absolutely.
0: If you didn't produce enough, you didn't absolutely. do enough. You were gonna, you were gonna die. Yes. So how much is that carried on for ourselves? We gotta keep going, we gotta, but yet that is killing us as well. Yes. You know? Yes. So I wonder if there's some connection there.
2: That's deep, that's deep. Cause I do, I think about, I mean, I know that I've, I had to work through that. It's like my worth is in my work or my identity is in, you know, my title. Yeah. um which you know as you know i'm sure yeah showing up to some of these academic guilds man there's i'm i just and again i'm not a therapist but i'm like whoa there is some undealt with oh, stuff
0: yeah sometimes the worst <laughs> going
2: on yeah. over yeah. him. yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: so yeah i don't know and, and i i've really gotten to a point and even making comments in in certain sections and you know paper presentations i ask myself like why am i saying this yeah and if it comes back like Well, I want that person over there to think I'm this. I've learned to at least be like, I ain't going to say anything. If it's a genuine, like, I need to respond and I want a response. But that took a long time because Mm -hmm. my worth was in how smart can I act? How, how, you know, my title here, here, I'm Dr. So-and-so. How dare you?
0: Yeah, no, I I totally hear, especially (laughs) when you're one of the few. Exactly. And it's like, oh, you're representing every black person on the planet. Right. And we're not, but we are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it, yes and I, I and and it's a con and i think people don't realize it's a constant internal battle oh, i've had yes. to do that too like okay what how do i navigate this space mm-hmm. you know because people are already making assumptions right up you know and this we've you know the microaggressions mm-hmm. you know like, you know oh you talk a certain way or you know so i you know i feel i am very different in People, uh, people of color circles. Okay. Because I know, for particularly if I remember two situations where I met the parents of some of my students. Okay. And it was important for them to call me doctor. They would not call me Elizabeth.
2: Y- yeah. Yeah. Because that degree yeah. was for them yeah. too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so yes. I'm like,
0: okay, mom, you, you call me. I'm like, please call me because you're my elder. You call me She's like, Nope. Because that's for them too.
2: That's deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, that's the kind of internal battle. But that's also it's what's keeping us so um bound and yes. not to be able to be free and again it's they're finding all the stress does affect you physically yes and you hold it in the way we can't hold it yes. like that. and we've got to be careful i mean the cortisol levels it's like you're constantly like hypervigilant. your body can't sustain that
2: talk about it you know talk about it
0: so we've got to pay and that's why paying attention to your body what's going black people are the worst to go to the doctors when they're oh i'm just oh, gonna i'm man, gonna work through it
2: i know i know and I know. i'm like
0: no, your body's saying something. You better listen to it. Yes. You
2: know? Oh, man. It's yes. It's all
0: connected. It is. You know?
2: When I figured out how much stress it affects me physically,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I mean, it took me a while to really believe that. Yep. Because, again, I was taught by somebody who wasn't healthy, mm-hmm. and he had been taught by somebody who wasn't healthy. So it would just yeah. got passed down, passed Generally, down, yep. passed mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you weren't working, you weren't productive. If you were having fun or mm. doing something that energizes you, then yeah. it, there's something wrong with you. You're not being productive. How can you, how can you do yeah. something like that? Yeah. And so, oh man, I think about that. I mean, like, I, and I know when I'm stressed and, you know, and having gone now, I've been doing chiropractic for a long time and now, you mm. know, getting into like deep tissue massages and, you know, my therapist telling me like, bro, you know, you got this right up in here. So it's like, knowing where those pressure points are and where yeah. I carry my stress has helped, but it took so long mm-hmm. to get to that place. Cause I just didn't, Oh, it's just stress. It doesn't really affect me. Like, Oh, it, it doesn't, does. you know, it's like, why is my stomach hurting? Why is my back hurting? Mm-hmm. Why is my, mm-hmm. you know, my, when I get super stressed, my lower back just goes out. I can, yeah. I can barely even, you know, sit.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I just think that was just, oh, that's just, oh man. Or I'd get sick or the minute I, I would go intensely and then go on vacation. And then the minute I go on vacation, it's like, now nah, I'm sick.
0: Right, 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 right. And yeah, it's all connected and we like to separate it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, but it, I mean, we're whole, your whole being meant physical, mentally, yes. bodily, it all kind of, if I have a headache, it's hard to concentrate. It you is, know? absolutely because it's like i can't think you know yes. if i'm hungry i don't want to talk to you <laughs> you, know, you know it's like it's just like it's all you know what i mean i just can't i just yeah. I, I can't function
2: right oh man um well talk to me a little bit here about just some of the research and some of the things that you're you're currently working on and some of the things that you are seeing currently and, and whatnot mm-hmm. what are some what are some things that you're i mean we've talked about that but i mean I, specifically i know your dissertation is yeah fascinating.
0: Mm. This is good so i just got back from columbia a couple of months ago gosh yeah july wow.
1: all
2: right
0: because i might i really do feel more and more dan it's just kind of my that aha moment happened while i was in the columbia actually mm. you know i've done some traveling abroad yes. uh-huh. and it hit me that i think i really want to do research or ar- among black slash ethnic minority ch- conservative churches wow because i think Woo. that's where the theology gets a little warped and here's why
2: okay okay
0: so i went to this conference i was asked to come to talk about because my reach is around trauma faith race and culture it's all okay. kind of you know intersected and they're like hey you know given what's going on in Colombia or has gone columbia civil unrest our pastors have been traumatized and they're dealing with people who have been traumatized so mm-hmm. can you come out and talk so that's what i did i did a three-day workshop Two for a, a, a co-ed uh, group, and one for a group for just women. Okay. And in one of the, the group for just women, so people from all over South America. Okay. One for the, two Weekend was around um, Medellin, and, Bo- uh, and some people I think came from outside of uh, Medellin. Um, but this one woman came up to me crying after I told her the symptoms of PTSD. Mm. Beautiful young woman. And she looked at me and she said, I have the symptoms of what you're saying. Does this mean that I have not forgiven? Wow. And, I, and it was very profound. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, oh, my gosh. I'm like, your experience was traumatic. So it's inevitable that you wouldn't have these symptoms. Right. But underlying her question, and that was the sad part for me. That's what hurt that she didn't believe. So first of all, for, for me for, to know, I'm, and now I'm more into in the issue of forgiveness, it's neither here or there. Yeah. I think ultimately, theologically and psychologically, it is helpful.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's
0: not my go-to point. Okay. Cause I think many churches and people want to say, just forgive the person as a way to say you've dealt with it. Right. Not so fast.
2: Woo. Come on. Yes. Tell it.
0: Not so fast. And that's a very dangerous theology mm. to tell people, Oh, you know, that happened 20 years ago. Forgive him or forgive her. That should be over. But they've not mourned or processed the grievance. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Forgiveness can absolutely be the process of it. But when we use it as the go-to or first point, it can mm-hmm. be more damaging. Wow. So, this young wow. woman thinking, questioning her own faith, mm-hmm. questioning her, but not realizing listen, Dan, if you punch me in the face, I'm going to feel it whether I'm a follower of Jesus or not. <laughs> I'm human. Right. It doesn't take away from that pain. So, I'm going to feel right. it. I'm going to have some feelings about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, for this woman to question her own spiritual journey, her faith journey, thinking that it, it's separate, no, you can have PTSD be a follower and still trying to work it through yeah you know yeah so when again again a lot of these pastors are are doing the best that they can because they don't have the knowledge of some of this stuff thinking oh just you know it happened 20 years when you have depending again and i always tell folks the impact of the trauma depends on these following things how often did it happen Mm. who did it ooh and when did it happen wow that's that are all are significant factors.
2: That's wow.
0: Being punched in the face hurts and is awful. Being repeatedly punched physically, psychologically, emotionally is a whole nother matter, especially if it starts at three or four years old.
2: Oh, yes. Or if it comes
0: from a parent yes. or a sibling. Yes. All of that complicates that. So it's not a one size fit all. There are all these layers, especially if it's a pastor who did all those right. things.
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm.
0: And so people want, again, it's, it's easy. Just forgive. And, you know, God's got that. Yes, we know these platitudes and truths. We've got to let people go through their process however long it takes. Because when you don't, that's when it gets passed on for generation. People are with folks and marrying folks they should not be marrying and talking to because they've not worked. They're trying <laughs> right. to work it through.
2: Yes. So Man. those
0: are the things I'm just really interested in and looking at
2: that is deep so you said let me let me get that again so it's how often did it happen Mm-hmm. who did it
0: mm-hmm. and when yes
2: <sighs> golly y'all if y'all didn't catch that you better put pause right now and <laughs> rewind that mm-hmm. that's deep because mm-hmm. i was i mean my mentor who i was with oh man for years you know just it just essentially disowned me and mm-hmm. it was just it was a traumatic thing but you know the in turn pushback was well you got to forgive him mm-hmm. I was like no I, I forgive him but no you clearly you haven't because mm-hmm. you know duh, 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 you're still yeah. holding on to it and you're still this and this and I'm like well like you said I got hit mm-hmm. it it hurts I got some bruising mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm that is a trip and that's freeing i think that's the other part for me that therapy has been it's freeing to have somebody just tell you like no it's okay it's okay you know right and that wasn't right and that that and that person should have been held accountable for mm-hmm. what they did
0: right i feel like I, we were not good again i was thinking as growing up we're not even taught how to feel right eat right. something Or go to your room what are you crying about i mean i can't you know what i mean right And then we hold on to that, but it ends up really biting us in the butt later. Right. Because where does it all go? I mean, not to get crass. If you don't go to the bathroom or defecate (laughs) for a week, you've got to go to the house. Something is wrong. Absolutely. You've got to get it out. Even our body tells us what we need to do emotionally. Whew. We have to get it out. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can have a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Same thing with our emotions. And, but having that place, and we don't know. How, and, and, and I remember when I was on my own journey, I called my mentor and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm falling apart. I'm melting. And as a wise mentor has told me, she was like, that's a good thing, sweetie. You're finally letting go. Mm. Woo. And not, finally. she didn't spiritualize. She's like, this is what you've been needing to do. And for some of you, that is what's holding you back.
2: Golly golly dot that is uh that's Mm -hmm. that's some deep stuff Mm -hmm. i think my therapist told me and this was freeing for me was that because i would you know i I mean issues with you know obviously control yeah wanting to have some kind of equilibrium Mm -hmm. right and those are some of the things that i've wanted just because you know, growing up, being traumatized, growing up in an all white community in Texas, yeah. you know, and then the experiencing my mom being a crack addict, the trauma, the trap the trauma of the 80s, you know, and yeah. just, you know, seeing all that stuff. So my 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 doc was just like, you know, you're going to have those days where you just feel like shit and you feel like mm-hmm, mess. Mm-hmm. And he said and he gave me the analogy, which for me was really helpful. And I just I wanted to just just to say it was that he was like, it's almost like you're having a party. And a wild bear comes into the into the place. Now, you can try to go over there and try to pick up after the wild (laughs) bear and try to, but the wild bear is in, and you just got kind of just let it just allow that to happen, Mm -hmm. and then move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And obviously, not to the detriment of like, oh, let me just you know like let me not go get help. But for me, it's like, I mean, I give you an example, like you know, a month ago. I woke up even on medication and I just felt depressed. Mm, Yeah. And rather than trying to push through and let me suck it up and let me pray and all that, I was just like, you know what? I'm taking a mental health day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm doing today. Yep. Mm hmm. And rather than fighting it, and it just allowed, and you know, within 24 hours in that situation, I was better. Yeah. But in the past, I would have fought it and fought it and fought it, and it would (laughs) have been a week or two weeks.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You paid attention yes and that is that's a that's a huge sign of flourishing and healing it seemed like you paid attention to what your body needed and oftentimes we were not paying attention to what our body needs what our mind needs because it goes back to what you said earlier feeling guilty right i I mean everyone yeah yeah you know Mm -hmm. but it's like who does it end up hurting at the end
2: me you all, know all the people around me that I love
0: exactly exactly and that's why I just feel like there's more of these conversations need to be had and I was going to say something to you something you said triggered it I'm trying to remember talk it, talk it. come on um I think it was about I don't know Dan. you said something I was like oh that that's an important point about maybe it'll come back to me but another point I don't know if I can go back a little bit that's important yeah. to talk about yeah 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 This is particularly around sexual violence, and I think it's important for folks to know because I think when someone especially has had an experience of sexual violence,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. two extremes might happen. Okay. One would be, might be, again, depending who and how often it happened, either the person may not be wanting to engage in any type of sexual activity at Mm -hmm. all. That's one extreme. Or the other extreme is that this person finds themselves in very vulnerable positions constantly okay. over and over. Okay. Both require some guidance and support and healing. But I pro- particularly talk about the issue on um, where, we're like, why is she looking like that? Or why is she yes. dealing with these dudes or yes. whatever? Yes. And I remember this is one, what when one brother said, I, I give this, um, props to Sony, um, Stan who's a medical doctor he used to be here at rush. He's a Asian brother who said, instead of saying, why, why, why? Why don't we ask, I wonder what's that person's story, though, that they find themselves uh, constantly. Yeah. We all know those people in yeah. situations, yes. yes. whether it's a relationship or a job. They're all, it's always the same thing. They keep finding themselves in these horrible, dramatic, traumatic situations. Yes. And often these folks are trying to make sense of what happened to them, but mm-hmm. not in the best way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, they mm-hmm. need
0: to figure this, working through it. They're unconsciously reliving the trauma. Yes. Over and over yes that's why it's the worst thing to tell someone who you know is an abusive really what's wrong with you don't you see that person is <laughs> an whatever you know it's not they know that but there's all these other issues sometimes it's financial but most likely that person has a history of
2: abuse mm. so you mm. gravitate to mm. what's familiar yeah unless yes. you work it through yes wow
0: so they're not crazy, quote unquote. They're not as wrong. They're just like, again, that's why you need to work, get through, work therapy, <laughs> a group, because you're unconscious, because that is what's familiar. Yes. We're human. We're meaning making people. That's all. Even if, and sometimes like some people sabotage good relationships because it feels too good. Well, that really, and therefore some people are afraid of love. This is, this oh. is too
1: overwhelming. Oh, mercy.
0: Because love always hurts. So if it's not hurting, uh, oh, oh. that's a problem.
2: Oh, Doc.
0: So they find ways to sabotage it because this must be too. This, this can't, someone can't really love me just for me, wow. not for my body, not for what I can do for them, blah, 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 blah.
2: Wow.
0: So these are all the things that are mind. Yes. We're fearfully and wonderfully and very complex, but that's why you need to work through your stuff.
2: Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> Amen. Wow, Doc. This has been riveting. Mm. I got to have you back for round two. Oh,
0: this has been so much fun. This (laughs) is,
2: no, no, absolutely. I mean, this is exactly as is out. This is, this amazing. Mm -hmm. I got to get you back though. I would
0: love to. I just love talking to you, Dr. Dan. Especially for issues that affect our communities. I want, and I really believe I can just end with this. That's what I'm learning for myself. And for like, that God really wants us to flourish. Mm. God is not a God like, okay, I want you to, you know, sadly suffering happens. But we're called to flourish, Mm. however that is, Mm. whether that, you know, through therapy, through Medicaid. But we are called to an abundant life. Yeah. And so that's the prayer for myself, for you, for our community that, yes, live the abundant life. doesn't mean there aren't any challenges, but that's what God calls us, what God wants us for us is abundant life.
2: That is, that's beautiful. That is a great word. Mm -hmm. That is a great word. I love that. I'm, I'm with it. i will preach. We'll pass the offering plate around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll pass the p- Patreon plate <laughs> around. <laughs>
0: that's what the Lord, I really believe that. And that what keeps me going, God, you want me to have abundant life. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: And
0: that's I, the prayer.
2: And I'm I, all I keep saying is, is like it's like, it's taken me so long and I know I still have more growth to go because, you know, it's every day I'm realizing it's a new day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Every day. It's like, okay, today I gotta put that work in. Yeah. Um, but that's great. That's a great word. I like
0: that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good.
2: Well, I'm straight up, I,
0: I, I'm just repeating what Jesus said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh well Doc, where can uh, folks find you to bring you out and you know pay you that, you know, oh. hundred thousand dollars for thirty <laughs> minutes of lecturing and
0: <laughs> I'm at North Park University and Seminary. You can just I'm email okay. find me on web on the website. I'm actually doing a paper on black women and sexual violence next weekend. So Excellent. you can be live stream and I'm just talking about black bodies and sexual violence. Okay. Black women and indigenous women have the highest rate wow. of uh, homicide. CDC just said it. So that's something we need to pay attention to. That's a whole nother topic. And why is that happening?
2: Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a whole nother. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming down to the lab.
0: Yes. It's been so much fun. It's been so (laughs) much fun. And hello. And again, for those out there, you're not alone. Mm. Get the help that you need. You're not alone.
2: There you go. And for those of you listening, I'll post this. I'll post the suicide hotline uh, numbers, the links um, as well in the show notes. Uh, So again, doc, Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: The casting out isn't this like magical potion, right? Where if it were a cartoon, you'd have a wand and it goes, right? And you see the little yellow... We all know how the cartoons go, right? You see the yellow thing and it comes popping out and goes into the, I mean, can't you see the animated version of the scene and it goes into the pigs, right? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if it happened that way? But that really isn't how it works. Nothing snaps us out of it. You know, kind of dealing and living with depression and any mental health challenge is an everyday thing. It's a journey. It can get way better, but mm, instantly, like how? I haven't experienced that, and I don't really actually know anyone else who has. But what I like about it, though, is that he actually does cast these, this thing out. Well, what does it mean to cast out a demon that we would now identify as a mental health challenge? How do you cast that out? Well, one of the things I think that we can learn from this passage is what the man says. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Well, that's not that exciting, really. But what I think is that he actually says, this is my name, and this is what I experience, right? So if it were me, I would say, my name is Monica, and I live with a bipolar depressive condition. That, I'd like to suggest, is the casting out. That the casting out isn't that big wand thing that Jesus takes and shoops at them, and they jump into the swine, right? And the casting out doesn't come by this tremendous, amazing amount of faith where someone puts their hand on your head and they say, I cast it out in the name of Jesus and then it happens. Although, God bless anyone who gets to have that kind of experience, because I think that would be amazing. And I think that it's not always that what we're experiencing is demonic. (laughs) It's not necessarily this bad thing. Sometimes what we experience, well, this is a natural response to what happens when you have a heart and when you live and when you go through life and when you've experienced different things. And sometimes your body's chemistry is just not working with you. It's just what it is. It's not demonic. It's not necessarily something that needs to go cast out into some poor little pigs somewhere, right? It's just part of the texture of one's life. And it can be a very crippling and hurtful and destructive part of one's life, like we see with the man here. Or it can just be a very difficult part of one's life as we see for some other people. And I'd like to say that what it means to cast out is to just be able to say, my name is Monica, I live with a depressive, bipolar depressive condition. My name is Legion, for we are many. That what really casts out, and by casting out I mean disarms the power, right so it's not something that's transferable right (laughs) like to pigs but to cast out is just to disarm the power to take away the part that constrains you that isolates you that makes you live among the tombs that's all it means to cast out and one way we cast out a big way we cast out that this passage suggests is just by telling our story you don't have to get the long version of the story you can just give the short version of the story (laughs) Say, this is who I am. This is what I live with. This is who I am. This is what I experience. Because what happens is kind of what we see happens here in the passage. When we're able to just be honest about what we experience, that it doesn't mean we've lost faith, it doesn't mean we hate God, although sometimes it does. It doesn't mean we can't recognize Jesus, although sometimes we can't. Just saying, this is who I am and this is my experience, is it takes away the power it takes away the isolation. And so we see that just saying that helped the man to feel sane. So in some way, I to put it more colloquially, admitting you're crazy makes you sane, right? <laughs> admitting that you're not perfect, admitting that you struggle, admitting that something is really hard and difficult, admitting that you don't know what to do, this is part of our testimony. It's part of our encounter with that which is holy. Is part of what how we meet Jesus and how Jesus meets us and for me that's a big testimony right you go from having the town crazy person walking around the tombs who no one wants to be around because well you know they're over there they probably haven't taken a shower in a couple days and they're just kind of offensive and I don't really know what to say when they ask me for all those inappropriate things when I'm getting my Starbucks coffee right to this person saying hey I had this encounter with this man and it changed me. Now I like to think part of what the big change was was that Jesus saw him and just asked him who he was. And so what I get from this is that we actually can play two kinds of roles. We can be like this man and be willing to say this is my experience, right? This is who I am. This is my experience. And we can also be like Jesus and say Who are you? What's your name?